Hi, I'm Dave. And I'm Paul. And we're going to challenge you to transform your financial future through the principles of the most profitable business in the world, banking. We believe everyone should be involved in two businesses, the business that you're in and the banking business. Everyday people can replicate what bankers have been doing for centuries to leverage capital and build wealth through private lending. Join us as we uncover the truths about money, expose lies and myths, and flip conventional financial advice on its head. Here we go. All right, Paul, welcome back. How are you doing? Apparently better than you. Yeah, I am just getting over the Rona. It finally caught up with me after a couple of years of evading it. Um, yeah, it knocked me out for a couple of days, but I'm back on my feet and I get my energy back. Just have a little, a little bit of a lingering cough, but yeah, nothing a little fresh air won't take care of. Nope, that's true. It's nice and cool down here today. It was like hot as crap over the weekend, like 90s, like record setting 90s and then uh, wow. humidity. And now it's probably, I don't know, it's like 60 out there, 66. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, it's May in Minnesota and it's still, we, you know, we were down in the 40s last night and uh, over the weekend was the 50s for a baseball tournament. So it was a little breezy and cold, but uh, we're turning a corner now and it's going to be, it's going to be a nice hot Memorial weekend coming up. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, today we decided, um, yeah, we talked to a lot of people, right? And we have a lot of clients. We probably, you know, we have over a hundred clients between the two of us. And I don't know about you. I talk to, I don't know, anywhere from half a dozen to, to 10 people a week, uh, in conversations about this, uh, meetings that are set up throughout the week. Uh, and what you and I have really determined is there's, there's some very, uh, there's a common thread between, our clients, right? If we take, you know, our hundred plus clients and really detail what, what are all the common threads we have? There's, there's several. And we figured, why don't we talk about that today and really discuss some of the common IBC user traits for people who have been listening, people who have been exploring this concept and think, eh, is this really for me? Uh, I'm not quite sure. So I figure, um, why don't we just dive into that? So, why don't you go with, you know, what's one of the most common traits that you see amongst the people that you've worked with? Sure. Um, I think generally speaking, uh, out of the clients that I've got, they're, they're people that they're good savers, and th but they know that putting their money in a savings account or money market or checking account and just leaving it there for, for whatever is, uh, is not an efficient way to, to grow wealth. And they're looking for this bridge. Uh, between saving, investing. Um, so these are disciplined people who save a lot of money uh, is I think first and foremost, right? And that's, it's kind of who we're after is someone who's, who's already established those disciplines and is not afraid to capitalize and, and hold capital and, and, um, and take advantage of what capital and having a large amount of it brings to you, right? So I think first and foremost, yeah, good saver, bottom line. Yeah, I, I, I would completely agree with that. I don't think you can win at any financial strategy if you don't first have the discipline to save and delay gratification. So just plain and simple. You know, if you're after the uh, get rich quick, put all your money into crypto and, um, you know, whether you believe that's the way or not, <laughs> How's that working uh, out? it's speculative and you just might get hurt really bad. Uh, you might strike it rich. Um, but then again, if you strike it rich in crypto, these young kids who, who make a million bucks overnight, what are the chances they still have that million dollars a couple years from now? You know, right. they just keep doing the same thing that they, they are doing. 
who knows, uh, yet to be seen. But I, I, I completely agree. Another trait that I think is very common amongst almost like ex- almost exclusively to the IBC crowd is a healthy skepticism, a healthy skepticism of our current monetary regime, of the Federal Reserve, of the government, of government involvement uh, of almost any kind. Uh, they're very skeptical. And a lot of times people come to us and, and we start conversations and they're not quite sure what they don't agree with. They just know there's there's something that doesn't quite smell right to them with what's going on with the, the constant printing of money. Uh, they may not know a thing about Austrian economics, uh, but they can tell even though they've never been taught. In fact, everything they've been taught is counter to this feeling they have that, wow, printing all that money can't be good for the economy long term, right? It's a short term bandaid and long term, there's going to be some serious effects of which we're now seeing uh, in, you know, in, in pretty, pretty big, uh, in a big way, right? Inflation, the inflation that almost nobody saw coming, says the, the economist, the leading magazine on economics, like seriously, do you not have a single Austrian economist that works on your payroll? that you didn't see inflation coming after the last several years of just printing trillions. That's basic. That is basic, basic economics. But I, I get off topic. Sorry. Um, so they don't know what inflation is, really. That term gets tossed around in the media like. They, you're right. You know, and I had this conversation yesterday with uh, with a friend of ours. They're they're PCSing to, to you know, Europe um, next month. And everyone thinks inflation is, is higher prices. Right. And uh, so we had a conversation about it and I was like, no, that's the effect. That's the effect. That's not, that's not inflation. That's a different topic for a different time. But yeah, that's the effect. The word inflation is a perfect word. It's inflating the supply of money. Yep. That's it. Um, even an elementary education can understand this. Like, for example, this is a fun story. Like two summers ago, my kids were playing out in the woods and they, they were building forts. Well, and all the neighbor kids decided to sell their forts to each other. So they would create something and sell it. But you know what they would use? None of these kids have actual money. They would use walnuts because there are walnuts out there. So they would pick up walnuts and collect them and then go buy them. So, hey, you can buy my fort for 15 walnuts. Well, guess what happened within a week? The price of that 15 walnut fort turned into 100 walnuts. A lot of walnuts out there. And because there. there's a lot of walnuts out there. And these kids started collecting sackfuls of walnuts, which made them feel really wealthy. But they had to spend an enormous amount now of walnuts to buy the exact same thing that just a week prior cost them 15 walnuts. And that was a that that right there, ladies and gentlemen, is inflation. Simply put, like you and we they, they inflated the supply of walnuts. And therefore, every single thing costs more. Like my son, who's home right now because he's sick, um, he's sitting in the next room. He could come in and explain to you what inflation is. And he's 11 years old. I'm sorry. He's 13. He was 11 when he discovered this. So, yeah. Um, So there you go. Skeptical, not just of the regime, but skeptical of infinite banking. Quite honestly, they, they come and uh, some people catch on right away. They say, oh, wow, this is it. This is what I've been looking for. I didn't know what was out there, but here it is. Um, and some people are like, I think I get it, but it sounds too good to be true. Or 
you know, here's what I don't understand. How can they, how can the insurance companies actually make money doing this? Is this uh, so, a scam? Is this a scam? Cause somebody said it was a scam. Some guy with a condescending Southern accent called it a scam. So he must be right. Um, so they're, they're skeptical, but then their skepticism is quickly overcome by research and um, a willingness to learn, which takes us to our next user trait that you can expand on. Yeah, I'm, I'm all about the skepticism. And I tell I tell new people that all the time, whether they're friends or people I, that are that find me through the website or whatever, uh, through the podcast is. Uh, I want you to question this. I was like, don't don't trust me. Don't take my word for it. Don't do what I'm doing and what Dave's doing just because we're doing it. You will be highly educated and highly informed going through our process, and that's what we want. Before we do anything, you will be you will understand what we are doing first. So anyway, yeah. Um, so again, willing to learn something new, right? You sent me the book, no no context. I read it, digested it, understood it, and was ready to take action before you even had your life insurance license. I was like, come on, man, hurry up. Yeah, that's I right. My money out of, I need to get my <laughs> yeah. money out of these 529s. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, <laughs> and other other places. Um, but again, yeah, I just touched upon all those, all those traits, right? Like, you got to be willing to read. Uh, some people are all into the audiobooks, as am I. You know, I audiobook on the way into work because I take the the metro into DC. Um, that's that's fine. But I always tell people, if you're going to read, you know, becoming your own banker. That's um, you know, the Infinite Banking Bible. You're going to want a hard copy of that so you can write in it, highlight it, reread it, and just you know, just be able to pick, be able to pick up and see the words is is far more effective uh, of learning. I you know, learning IBC than than it is audiobooking because you can, you can. The audiobook's a great supplement. That's fine. But you gotta read the book, right? So you gotta be willing to read a book. And I know that's so weird today. It's you know, 2022 and people are lazy. Um, but you know, wealthy people aren't lazy. That's how they get wealthy, right? Um, so if we wanna get rich slow in uh using IBC, um, we gotta be willing to read. Yeah, and I like the the term get rich for certain. So, or for sure, like I'd rather get rich for sure than try to get rich quick. Yep. Because there are some proven ways to grow wealth and become wealthy. And all you got to do is have the patience and the discipline to do it. So, um, yeah. So another thing is open to accepting that what you think, you know, may not be so. So that is what, that's a Will Rogers quote. The problem Mm -hmm. with most Americans isn't what they think they know it's or isn't what they don't know. Right. The problem isn't what you don't know. Right. It's what you think, you know, that just ain't so. Correct. You got it right that time. Yeah. Got it right. Boom. Um, so you got to, you know, all that dogmatic uh, thinking that you've had your entire life. Like there's a one way, there's only one way to do things. And um, the people who preach a one size fits all plan for everyone, regardless of your situation, um, it's, it's very dogmatic and you have to overcome that. You have to be willing to think maybe just maybe I'm not a hundred percent sure about this and, and it's not right. This, this is good. I'm going to beat up on buy term and invest the difference real quick. Um, preach. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's, it's so annoying. How can they say that? Right. How can they say buy term and invest the difference is the, you know, catch all strategy in the path forward for every single person in the world. Right. Right. How is that possible? It's not. 
That is not true. Oh my goodness. Anyway, that's well, that's all I'm going to say about case it. Case in point, I was talking to somebody last week who her husband bought a 10-year term policy at 70 years old. 70. Mm, he's paying that on that for 10 years. Spendy. You know how much he's spending per month? It's 250 bucks a month. What's the policy for? Like $5,000 a death benefit? You know, I don't even know. But that, it, won't, it won't buy you much. But guess what? He turns 80 next year. And that policy is gone. So after 10 years, you know, and he's an adamant, but, you know, by term, he's totally against whole life. So at the end of 10 years, he spent $30,000 on something that he's not getting a penny back on. What's the period. return of What's the ROI on that? Is that Zero. negative 30,000%? Okay. Yeah. Negative. Right. So <laughs> he's in the hole $30,000, nothing to show for it unless he dies right before that term ends, which right. you know, would be a, a tragedy, but that's the only way to win. So there you go. Okay. Yeah, it's it's terrible. Term is more expensive uh, when you think of it in that context, right? Uh, Far that's more gonna expensive. Be, that's going to be a little problematic for some people to understand. Well, Paul, whole life premiums are way higher than term. Yep, yep. Uh, peel back the onion a little bit and think about what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, if that dude wants to get another term policy for an 80-year-old man, if he still needs insurance, then the advice he's been getting over this his 80-year period has been has been absolutely terrible advice. Yeah, exactly. Terrible. So it's not a one size fits all plan. It's definitely not. Yeah. Okay. So what about um, humility? That's another thing that kind of dovetails right into humility. Absolutely. Um, you know, I'm not the most humble person in the world, but I'm intellectually curious and yeah. It interests me a ton when somebody knows something I don't. Even in the IBC space, when we talk, when we meet with our our peeps, and uh, whether it's at the the think tank or at other places, hunting trips or something, and you just get to pick people's brains, and it's someone has already thought about something the way in a different way that you haven't yet, and it's just super helpful, right, and super humbling that wow, that guy's smart, and um, so yeah, you got to be willing to kind of unlearn. I like, we talked about this before we started recording. I like getting people that know nothing in some cases, know nothing about finance. Yeah. They're not, they're not tarnished by buy term invest the difference or max out your 401k and your IRAs. They're not, they're not scarred by all this, all this one size fits all, you know, middle-class crapola. Um, they're, so they're easy to kind of say, Hey, let's start at the beginning. And where do you put your money? Right. Where's your yep. capital? How much capital do you have? Do you have an emergency? You know, let's start start at the beginning and I can kind of mold them into kind of a different way of thinking, but it's not different to them. It's just different to everybody else. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and I remember talking about unlearning. I remember being interviewed by Nelson Nash, by Carlos Laura, Bob Murphy and David Stearns before I became an IBC practitioner. And they asked me what what would you major in in college? Well, I majored in business management. I was like, yeah, maybe I should have majored in economics. And all four of them at the same time shook their head no. And I said, you're right. I know because then I would have had to unlearn everything, right? And they said, yes, absolutely. You would have had to unlearn all the Keynesian wrong stuff. Keynesian economics. Exactly. Lord Keynes. So, <laughs> um, so I was better off not even taking – I mean, I did take economics 101 and, and probably – 201 in college, but um, I don't remember anything about it except supply and demand. Um, but I didn't have to unlearn a whole lot, which is great. Um, but I think we all have to unlearn some, 
because we're being bombarded, you know, from the day that you start, you enter the workforce, you're being bombarded from all the financial institutions and your friends and family saying, you got to do this, do this, do this. That's what so-and-so says. You got to do this. Um, so it takes a while to unlearn that stuff and go against the grain. So um, the humility to realize that, you know, maybe, maybe I don't know everything. I think I do. But uh, once people get, I think, especially into their 40s, they start realizing, they start looking back and being like, uh, you know, I've been doing the same thing for the last 15 or 20 years financially, and I'm not really where I, I thought I would be at this point. So they start waking up kind of on their own to, wow, there's got to be a different way to do this. Uh, those are the kind of people I love talking to because they're so open to exploring a new way of thinking. So, and, and they yeah. know it's not too late. It's definitely never too late. No, absolutely. And, you know, often what we hear too is once they catch IBC, they enter the process. Everybody says, man, I wish I'd started this 20 years ago. Yeah. When Every see, single person, right? Oh my gosh. You're us included, right? Mm -hmm. Like my goodness gracious. It's. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, even when you talk to, a, I've got a couple 28 year old, 29 year old clients, even them. They're like, oh, I wish I would have known this five years ago when I started making money. So I'm like, man, trust me, you are so far ahead of the game. So far ahead. So gosh, yeah. So, okay. And then the last one that, that's a very common thread with everybody is they think long-term. They think long-term. It doesn't matter how old they are. I've got clients in their 60s mm -hmm. who think long-term because they yeah. don't plan to, be, to retire from this earth anytime soon. They're going to be here for their 25, 35 years, according to them. So they think long-term and they think generationally. They're thinking now I want to leave something for my kids. I want to leave something for my grandkids in place. So if you can't think long-term and you're only after, well, what's, what's my cash value available the very first year? Like, a, you know, a lot of real estate investors think that way. And Sometimes they're great clients. Sometimes they're very difficult clients because they can't get over that that short term thinking. Um, you know, which you is you go back and <clears throat> you go back and read Nelson's book and where he talks about the Japanese and their business, <clears throat> the way they think about taking money out of a business when they don't take it out for the first seven years or ten years, they, the money is reinvested into the business to yeah. make it more efficient and make it bigger. Um, you know, don't be afraid to capitalize. Right, think long range. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we've talked about what is really a, a common IBC user trait or many of the traits. Um, you know, who would not be a good fit for this? That dude that was on that webinar a couple of years ago, that was like a complete yeah, yeah. person. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I remember that. We had a heckler on the oh webinar. Oh my goodness gracious. And, and those those that were there will, will laugh when we hear that we just talked about that. But yeah, just, yeah. just awful. But yeah, that person. Yeah. And, and why, what, you know, his biggest hangup that I could see was that he could not wrap his mind around that this is something that is not an investment. Correct. He wanted to compare everything to a stock market investment. Right. That's right. Yeah. The apples to apples comparison is more fair, right? We're comparing this to the other quote, safe liquid assets like a savings account or a checking account. Right. Sure. Um, not, not anything else. Nothing else. Right. So, Yep, that's a good one. Uh, one I always think of is the person that makes fifty thousand a year but spends sixty thousand a year. Right. So, you know, can't you help you. 
can't help you. Um, I would love to, but I'm going to actually send you to uh, a financial entertainer guru to get your house in order first. You know, I probably recommend going somewhere else, figure out how to stop spending so much money, how to budget, how to live at least within your means, if not below your means, um, and get some discipline in place um, and increase your means. Um, not to say that you don't, you know, you can make $50,000 a year and start something like this. You just start where you're at. Um, I know several, you know, I've got several clients who started where they're at, at 50,000 or even less per year, um, because they saw what this is going to do for them long-term. Yeah. That's always a question, right? How much, you know, the, the, how much, how much should I pay right in premium? Mm -hmm. Um, and again, I love that answer. You, we're going to start where you're at. You're not going to pay as much premium as I am because you're a young 22-year-old guy first starting off in his career. We'll build up to that, right? So we pay ourselves first and expand as our income expands. Super simple. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, other, other traits that are not ideal for this, I mean, really, we could list them. They're basically opposite of what we just said are good traits, uh, yep. right? So. Like if you don't want to leave a legacy, like the screw your kids, um, you know, I'm going to take it all to the grave. Like the, you're not our people. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I think that's a strange way to think. Uh, don't you look, don't you love your children? Um, right. What if there's a way, but I think, and I used to think like that, right. Before I had kids. But if, if, if there's a product where I can still access my cash, still do investing, still leverage my capital and leave a legacy, would I be interested in, in learning more about that product, right? And, you know, reasonable person is going to say, say yes. But I got tons of friends that know I'm doing this business that have expressed zero interest in it, right? They are so locked into the, you know, I got my Vanguard, you know, S&P 500 index fund. And that's, yeah, that, that's the catch-all. I'd take the best thing since sliced bread. Yeah. Uh, and, and maybe it is. Uh, but these are the same people that, um, you know, don't have enough capital to build the retirement home they want, maybe or to, you know, pay for an educational expense or, you know, whatever. So um, bottom line is once you learn that how the product works and the fact that there are no compromises, in fact, it's the op opposite of compromising. You're not compromising anything, right? Um, that's where that, that shift in attitude can really change. And, and yeah, I want, to, I want the Fugier legacy to be something other than perpetual middle class. Right. And I, I understand, I think where most people are coming from when they're like, well, I don't, I'm not going to leave a bunch of money to my kids. They got to go earn it themselves. I completely yep. agree that, yes, my kids will earn their own way in this world. I'm not going right. to give it to them. They have to be worthy of the inheritance. Yes. And the fact is, you don't, I mean, you and I have several million dollars in life insurance in place. When I die, I don't have to pay all of that out as a lump sum to That's my right. beneficiaries. There's multiple ways to set up life insurance death benefit. So you as the owner and the controller of that policy, you get to determine, you know, if you are the insured, when you die, how do you want that paid out to your beneficiaries? And it doesn't have to be lump sum. You can have it paid out, you know, a set amount every month, every year, whatever for, you know, you can annuitize it. You can do all sorts of things to pay out maybe enough so that they don't have to sweat making their cell phone bill or their their their, their house uh, payment, right? If things turn bad, but not so much that they don't have to do anything in life. Right. We're not we're not trying to create like a 
I always, I always beat up this poor woman, but that like a Paris Hilton scenario or something. I, I she's the only like party animal I could think of, right? Yeah. Uh, or I guess you could say you're the, really aging yourselves. The, I don't think the younger generation <laughs> like, knows who that? she is anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I could say like the Vanderbilts for historical context, like the, uh, you know, just the money's gone, the money's yeah. gone in, in three generations or whatever. You know, yeah. the, some of the you know largest amounts of money on earth at the time gone in three generations and now you have you know anderson cooper who's like a long lost vanderbilt descendant or something and yeah whatever yeah well and you don't have to leave just money to your kids i would never leave just money without an education no question money without That's, an education is just danger it's worthless uh, it's just like these these lottery winners right they they they, they win 240 million dollars and in eight years it's gone yeah. Like, how and, does that happen? Yeah. And, and frankly, even with an education, there might be some kids who who should never get a large chunk because it might put them in a bad situation. Right. Sure. You got, so you got to know your own beneficiaries. You got to know that's right. them individually. If too much money is going to ruin them and you know that for a fact because they can't handle it, then then you definitely don't want to ruin them. So just realize there's different ways to pay out that death benefit to beneficiaries and you get con to control that from beyond the grave. Yep. Determined by use, how you set that up now. You can use you know, the options through the company. Like you said, I think in our academics, I think that's called the spendthrift provision. Yes. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but there's a way to use different sorts of trusts, right? Where you can, you know, control it from the grave and restrict access or have access for only certain things. But there's the whole point is though, you can leave a legacy without compromise. Yeah. I like that. That makes sense. Um, Okay. And then, you know, if you're not willing to educate yourself, if you're not willing to, to look outside your dogmatic views, um, we don't spend time convincing anybody. Uh, I know our process is, Hey, either you want this or you don't. Um, if, if you need me to convince you, you need to go talk to somebody else. Cause I'm not going to spend my time convincing you. That's right. You have to catch this. You can't, I can't teach it to you. You have to catch IBC. It's not, it's not taught. Um, and I, I, I agree with you that, you know, there's some people out there that just want me to quote, do it for them. Yeah. You know, just, I want to give me, I want you to take my money and I'm like, well, listen, I, I'm not a uh, investment broker. I, I don't take your money ever. In fact, I will never touch your money. Uh, I want you to become, this is becoming your own banker, right? I'm not going to be your banker. Right. Uh, I'm just trying to teach you that there's a better place to build and grow wealth than your savings account or your 401k. So, yeah, no, absolutely. You got to be willing to be wealthy. It's not going to happen by accident. It's 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 it it happens with with purpose and intent. Yeah. Right. Uh, and I think that's so important to to not forget that the mindset is a huge part of this. Huge. Yep. It all starts with the way you think. Every. Pretty much everything does. Well, so you kind of alluded to our process. Uh, why don't we spend the last couple of minutes here just quickly outlining the process that you and I use? And I think it's very similar. We don't necessarily, you know, Paul and I are not um, business partners in the sense that we share everything, you know, everything we do. We are completely independent, um, but we have a very similar process. And, you know, the first thing you said, just clear the air on that. We don't take anybody's money. Uh, that's, that's a common question. Hey, do you guys charge a fee? How do I pay you? Blah, blah, blah. Um, no, you'll never, I'll never touch your money period because I don't want to, because like Paul said, we want you to become your own banker. I'm not going to babysit your money. There's plenty of Edward Jones guys that can babysit your money. If, if that's what you're looking for, um, that's not us. But the first step in our process 
as you can probably tell by now, is education. You got to do the reading. You got to do the work to get educated. And then um, the next step in my process, Paul, I, I'm not sure if it's yours as well, but it's you got to run the application. We, you have to know if you are insurable. Um, so without running the application and finding that out, which doesn't which doesn't um, obligate you to anything, but it mm -hmm. does obligate the insurance company to underwrite you and tell us, one, are you insurable Two, for how much? No, that's we're we're uh, lockstep so far, you know. Also, the reason that is, folks, you know, the application comes somewhat early in the process, uh, and we're not trying to waste anybody's time, especially our own or yours. Um, but it, it can take sometimes, depending on what comes up medically in your history or your pharmacy report or your driving record or or just other things, right? This process can take it can take two months to get underwritten sometimes, yeah. right? And that can be very frustrating. So we like to get you know, the application done as early as possible to get to account for that time so that that's not, you know, kind of like a hanging chat, like, hey, I get it. I want to move forward. And then we're two months into the education process. So we kind of front load that just so that we can educate and design a plan concurrently with the underwriting process. Exactly. And then that's step three is develop that tailor-made plan for the individual and and his or her particular situation. There's no one size fits all ever. We're never going to say, well, this is how much you should do. Um, and this is how it should be designed without ever diving into your, your holistic financial picture. So yeah, the next step, once we get the approval from the company is spend time designing that plan. That's going to work for you and help accomplish your goals. That's right. Yeah. And then after and that, it's implement yep. and execute. So Paul, I think you and I are both very adamant about ongoing education, ongoing coaching with our, our clients, people who choose to work with us that uh, you're not going to be left on an island all by yourself. Yep. I feel, you know, I tell them up front, like, hey, your relationship with me can be whatever you want it to be. And I had two clients text me this morning for two different things. One was like a strategy question and the other was just a, a simple policy, you know, um, a policy question of, of, you know, servicing question, basically. Um, so yeah, you're relate, and I, you know, I feel questions all the time and I, and I like to, I enjoy it. I yeah. thoroughly enjoy that, which is why I'm in this, in this business. Right. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's huge after the fact, I'm not going to run away. You're not going to like never find me again or whatever. Um, you're kind of, I tell them you're stuck, you're stuck with me and, uh, you use me, use my, use my knowledge, use my network of people that I can reach out to who have, you know, infinite knowledge. Right. 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 Because I mean, that's part of the humility is you and I, we know quite a bit about no this question. industry and about how to do this. But, you know, we'll both admit we don't know everything. But guess what? If we don't know the answer to a question, we know somebody who does. That's right. Yeah. And I'm never going to assume that I've arrived in knowledge. Right. Right. Yeah. Never going to assume that. Nope. Nope. Because yep, the arrival syndrome, well, uh, that's the end of it. That's the end of the train right there. So. Well, cool. I think uh, we've, we've hit our time here, but hopefully that helped everybody figure out, hey, is this for you or is this not for you? Or do you want this to be for you? And here's the things you need to do in order to get to that point. Yep. So hope you all enjoyed that. And uh, yeah, good seeing you again, Paul. Yeah, man. Glad you're feeling better. I am. Thank you very much. So, all right. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you all next week. See you next week, bud. Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. 
If you'd like to have a conversation with us to see how you can become your own banker, or if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to tackle on a future episode, please send us an email to David and Paul at theibcguys.com. And subscribe and leave us a review if you're on Apple. Follow and leave us a five-star review if you're on Spotify. And please share this with your friends. We'll see you next week.